Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. To the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an explanation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. How's it going, PD? Pretty good. I, you know, things are starting to get back to normal. I'm going into the office. I'm doing stuff with friends. It's it's finally back to normal after a year of not. It's kind of weird, but it's good. Yeah, you're right. I was at the, the uh, Flying Squirrels game, and that was my first stadium experience in obviously two years. So definitely felt normal and kind of weird being in like the pro shop and people are like all around me. But it did feel pretty normal for a change. So it's definitely been good. <laughs> so big news last week, the Blue Jackets made a great headline splash with their offseason hiring John Davidson, rehiring John Davidson, the president, back to Columbus. I was all about that as soon as I saw Davidson was let go. I think all of us, mm-hmm. PD, I think you would agree. I know we talked about it a few weeks ago, but I was very happy to see that that reunion was was made. Yeah, I feel like that was the, the joke across CBJ fandom when, when he was fired. It was like, hey, JD, come home, you know? But I don't know if any of us thought that it would actually happen, you know? And so when it did happen, uh, credit to, to Brian Hedger for getting – was the first to report that scoop. And, uh, but yeah, I'm happy about it. I think it's a good thing. Um, obviously JD was a key part of turning this franchise around. And at a time when the franchise is at another low point, um, it feels good to have him back there. Uh, he feels like a steady hand. Uh, it feels like, he can restore the reputation of the franchise after it's taken a bit of a beating for the last two years. And for this narrative of this is a franchise that people leave, you know, he was someone who left the franchise and he's come back. And I think that is a cool thing. Um, You know, he talked about, you know, loving the city of Columbus and that was part of why he wanted to be back here. And I feel like maybe that can change the narrative, you know, Uh, now on the flip side, I think, you know, if the city isn't the reason people are leaving, then it's the organization. And some of the problems may have started while he was still here. Um, but if they didn't, then yeah, maybe he can provide an outside perspective and, 
you know, point to maybe what's going wrong and what can change and what they can fix going forward to, to be able to hopefully just reload the team and not have to tear things down and, and rebuild. But, but yeah, it's, it's good to have him back. I know the original, um, I guess his words, when he, mm-hmm. when he first came to Columbus back in already 2012, yeah. like it's hard to believe it's, it was that long ago, but it was the whole brick by brick. And I know it's a little bit different now, uh, the, the saying that he, he used, but in general, same general sense of, uh, back then, I think they were trying to get Columbus on the map and make them a formidable mm-hmm. team. And now it's just kind of trying to, like you kind of alluded to just trying to get the, get them right, get them back on the right track. Uh, you know, obviously a big, a big addition with a head coach will be most likely the first thing. And I don't know, I feel more confident with Columbus's offseason already. Nothing against Yarmo whatsoever. But I think Davidson, I look to him as the guy that really put this team on the map. Obviously, you know, him hiring Yarmo and then Yarmo doing his thing, getting towards everybody. But I feel like uh, Davidson had a track record with the Blues. He brought came to Columbus, got them to become, or at least helped become a playoff team consistently. So um, I'm just curious to see now who they end up, you know, obviously bringing in as a head coach and what kind of roster moves they end up making. I know they gave Yarmo two extra years on his contract, right? Yeah. So, so I wonder that was really interesting. I yeah. I wonder if that's a little bit of a a little bit of you know, a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down in a way. Um, I also mm-hmm. think it's interesting that so Yarmo is signed for four more years, but JD's contract is for five years. So it makes it seem like if they stick around for their whole contracts, that JD will get to decide whether Yarmo mm-hmm. sticks around longer. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I also, I think I saw Portsline suggest that this could maybe change the mindset of the off season where Yarmo doesn't feel like he has to make a short term splash that the team could do more of a long term plan with the moves that they make. Um, although I, I think that Yarmo still sees this team as being close. And so he just needs to make tweaks. He doesn't need to do a full reset because I think he still sees a lot of good pieces here to build around. It's just a matter of actually getting some of those pieces locked in and filling in the spaces around them. But yeah, so I, I, but I also, I don't think that this move was made as any kind of criticism of Yarmo. I certainly don't think that it's a move that would have been made without his blessing. Apparently it was Mike Priest that reached out to JD, but I'm sure, but it also sounded like Mike Priest and Yarmo talked about it first. Like as soon as they saw that JD was fired, it was something that they started kicking around like, Hey, you know, could he come back? And, you know, and I don't think that JD would, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would have come back here if he didn't think that Yarmo was completely on board. You know, I think they, they've known each other for so long. They're good friends. They've worked well together that if there was any qualms on either side about this, then they wouldn't have done it. So I think, I think they're on the same page, but I also think that JD is an important extra voice to have in the room. Um, You know, he was not replaced when he left. And then when Bill Zito left for Florida, he was not replaced. And as the room gets smaller, I get worried about groupthink. You know, I feel like the more people you have providing input, 
the better the better you're going to be because that just the more different perspectives that you get the more different options that you get now you still ultimately need one guy to make the call now i don't know exactly what the decision tree is is it jd or is it yarmo that has the final say on things it sounds like it might be yarmo but um so you still need someone to to filter all of that but i i worry when there are fewer people in there helping yarmo so jd someone else who and as i said you know has a little bit of he has the familiarity with this organization how they run and what their principles are but he's also then seen how the Rangers have done things for the last two years and has been watching the Blue Jackets from afar. So I think he might have a little bit more objective view of what this roster should be, especially the guys that have been new to the team since he left. You know, like Domi, like Line A, even a guy like Texier who, you know, came up there towards the end of the Davidson run the first time, but has become a regular since he's been there a guy like Liam Foodie who was drafted after that you know so that's uh so yeah I think his uh I think that extra perspective is going to be helpful and I think Yarmo's going to it sounds like he's going to appreciate having JD to lean on again yeah for sure I uh I'm sure Yarmo is just fine I mean technically I'm sure he would say you know I was fine when we didn't have him but I'm sure they're only I don't know I I, I do think that uh leaning on the other will be good who knows what the future holds, but it was a very successful run with JD at the helm, and I can only expect pretty much the same going forward. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen as far as playoffs and all that stuff, but I feel I already feel excited about this team's direction, and mm-hmm. we haven't really seen anything happen yet. I just feel confident in Davidson's his background. He's like you mentioned, he's been in Columbus, so I'm excited to see how they proceed forward. Yeah, and I do feel like yeah, that seems to be. Fans seem to be pretty happy about this move, and uh, I'll be curious to see the next time we do a poll about confidence in the direction of the team, if this in any way causes a boost in that. I think it might. And I, you mentioned the you know, slogans, and yeah, Brick by Brick is, kind, is I think, officially retired at this point, uh, yeah. and now it was something about what, like going to work, you know? Yeah, so, that's it. Which, you know, it seemed to imply that you know, this is not about building a team anymore. This is about, this is the team, but it's a matter of maximizing what we have. And I, you know, I wonder if there's any little bit of a subtweet there that certain guys have the talent, but weren't putting in the work last year that needed to. I also hope that, you know, like we've talked about before with the coach, that hire a coach that can get the most out of this roster. Um, and, you know, we'll see, you know, we've talked about who candidates could be. I, I saw that was mentioned that, or someone asked JD about David Quinn, perhaps who was the coach in New York and he's been let go that I, I'm not crazy about him as an option because I mean, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he did fine in New York, but I also don't feel like he made that team any better than the sum of their parts. And so I don't think that's the right answer for Columbus. We, we need a coach who can get more out of the team than you might expect, which Torts was able to do for a few years in Columbus, but then he has, you know, he lost the ability to do that. But yeah, we need someone who can, who can get more out of this team than you'd expect. Yeah. I'm thinking, I know we talked about it last week, season I, but and we don't have to get into it again, really, but 
guys like uh, Gerard Gallant are on my yeah. mind, but I don't know how expensive. I know he's going to be expensive, but I don't know if the Blue Jackets, what they're looking at on a price tag for a coach. Guys like that come to mind right away because yeah. we've seen him take a, whether you want to say misfits, but basically yeah. what feels like cast sure. aside players to the Golden Knights and made it work. And I feel like he could do, maybe not take Seattle to the Stanley Cup final, but I feel like he could be a great option for an expansion team in Seattle or the Rangers or whoever. I'm sure, I know he already talked with the Rangers too, and probably will be talking with Seattle, but he hasn't already. Yeah. Now, and, and I don't think, I feel like in the NHL, coaches change so often, even on good teams, that I don't think you want to overpay for a coach necessarily. But I also don't think the price tag should turn you off from a candidate like if Gerard Gallant is the is the best coach out there for the Blue Jackets then you you get him you know and don't be afraid to pay a premium for him because he is a proven successful coach so go that route you know maybe you know consider you know structure the contracts that the buyouts are are there if you need to because it seems like he wears out his welcome (laughs) in certain places uh you know, only three years in Florida, three years in Vegas or whatever. But uh, but I don't be afraid to to pay for a good coach if there's one out yeah. there. Um, that, 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 that would be a mistake to, right. to be too thrifty. It seems like that was, you know, I, I wonder if that's been a factor in some decisions over the last year, including with the coaching staff, you know, about maybe not wanting to pay torts not to coach. Mm-hmm. So, uh I don't, don't don't make decisions just about finances that may, right. might harm yeah. the team actually being successful on the ice because ultimately yeah. being yeah. successful and on the ice will make up for that lost revenue. If the whole Tom Wilson incident doesn't happen against the Rangers, is John Davidson still in New York right now? That is a great question. And I, I had a friend text me that when we made the JD hire. And I think he is. Uh, boy, that, that is a fun yeah. kind of... That's a butterfly flapping his wings scenario to play out. Now, I don't know. It, it, it sounds like uh, James Dolan was already unhappy with how yeah, right. slow the rebuild was going there, which again, I think is ridiculous. I thought that I thought the Rangers were, were on the right path. So I, I think he was a bit rash there. So there's a chance that JD was going to be fired anyway. But yeah, I don't know if that made it happen faster than would have happened anyway. but. I have a feeling that was going to happen this offseason anyway. Um, but it is funny to think about, yeah, if, if Tom Wilson hadn't done a Tom Wilson thing, go figure. <laughs> You're probably right. I, it does sound like Dolan. It doesn't, it, whether or not that's definitely the case or not, it does sound like Dolan already had that plan in mind. And uh, there was an article about why they made the decision when they did. And, they, and it actually was sound reasoning. They wanted a guy like Chris Drury in place for exit interviews. They were like, why wait? Let's mm-hmm. We have a guy now. Let's go ahead and put him in charge. So if that is the case, it makes sense. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Seats and I last week, of course, kind of did our playoff preview, and uh, it's been a very interesting week. We saw the Capitals lose four in a row, so the joke, I'm sure you've seen it, the joke going around Twitter was that Tom Wilson's been suspended for the rest of the playoffs, <laughs> because obviously he won't be playing for the rest of the playoffs. I saw a joke today that, that had the uh, the picture of him flexing in the penalty box after that kerfuffle, and it said, like, oh, this is him you know, mimicking, packing his bags for the offseason. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what happens in, in D.C. because I know Ovechkin's a free agent, which seems crazy to think like, wow, that contract actually ended. Another first round exit there. But then we saw the Edmonton Oilers blow yeah. what a three-goal lead late. They could be swept tonight. Toronto-Montreal's tied at one. Florida has had a, a carousel of goaltenders. They're going with their third guy tonight. In, Spencer Knight. So Tampa Bay and their series, the Jets can sweep the Oilers tonight. We have Toronto-Montreal. What are your thoughts on this past week? It's just been kind of a wild ride. We have the Toronto John Tavares. Luckily, he's doing, fortunately, he's doing better. But, you know, as usually is the case, the initial playoffs, it's all over the place. Yeah, and I think it's been a super entertaining playoff so far. I feel like we've had uh, more close games than usual. There have been 10 overtime games already just in the first week of the first round. Um, which is awesome because, you know, who doesn't love playoff overtime hockey? It's amazing. You know, even in the, you know, Boston, Washington, just a five game series, but the first three games all went to overtime. So I think that's series delivered from an entertainment standpoint. You know, the only one that hasn't really is, uh, you know, Colorado, St. Louis. That was a sweep as I think most people expected. That was a, a total mismatch, but, you know, Vegas, Minnesota has lived up to the hype. Uh, Tampa, Florida provided a great first game. The games have been less competitive since then, but it's still kind of gone back and forth. You know, I thought that Carolina Nashville, I thought that was not going to be close, but then here Nashville gets back to back double overtime wins at home to even up the series. So that'll, that all of a sudden is a fight. Yeah. I think it's been a lot of really great matchups. Yeah. Toronto, Montreal has lived up to the hype. We'll see if Toronto can, can rally behind, you know, win one for Tavares, uh, that, that can be interesting to see. We got to see Nick Felino playing center in the playoffs again, uh, which is also uh, interesting that Columbus is not the only team that's been forced to have to do that by circumstance. So, um, but you know, good, good to see him uh, being part of it. Not so much a fan of him fighting Corey Perry after the Tavares injury. I thought that was ridiculous. Like it was clearly an accident. It was not intentional. It was just an ugly collision. It happens. Um, having to like fight him just for yeah, as a staged fight, just for pride or whatever. I, that's ridiculous. That's the kind of thing that 
I don't think needs to be part of hockey anymore. Not surprising that Felino did it because he's that kind of old school hockey guy. I, I do wonder if it was maybe a case of wanting to fight to sort of rally the teammates to like stop, stop thinking about, yes, you know, our captain's on his way to the hospital, but like, let's not think about that. Let's think That's about the I'm game at hand, but still there, there's gotta be a better way to do that. The way, the way to respond is just like, Go out there and try to score some goals. You know, you don't have to do this silly staged fight. You know, even if uh, I mean, I'm sure Perry, even if he wasn't trying to fight, was like, yeah, okay. But I mean, from Felino's standpoint, it might have been like you said, trying to get the mindset back on the game. It might have been, hey, Corey Perry might be mentally, I don't want to say damaged, but he might not have his mind on this. Let's take advantage of it. I don't know, um, but I get what you're saying for sure. Toronto, they, they they lost that first game and, uh, of course, tied the series up and they could take the lead uh, by the time, of course, this is out. We'll know what's, what the situation there is. But, yeah, as of this recording, three series can end tonight. Do you think all three will with Florida, Tampa, Winnipeg, Edmonton? Vegas and Minnesota can also end tonight. I think the Oilers are going to get swept. I think that team is just... They always do. Well, not always. The last time they were in the playoffs, which was already 2016-17, they blew a series to the Ducks. I remember they were up. I don't remember if it was a seven-game series, but I remember they blew it, you know, major major choke like last mm. night and then lost that series. Yeah, I, I almost feel like that's still Edmonton is too good to get swept, but I also feel like there's definitely a mental block there. They should have won that game last night, but as... Winnipeg started to score. It's like there was a bit of a mental collapse there on the Oilers' part to kind of let that happen. Um, and I think I heard one of the analysts say that it's like Edmonton has learned how to lose. Um, and, and that kind of loser mindset can really feed on itself. Um, so, yeah, it's very possible that, you know, just like when Tampa got down to us in 2019 that at some point you just can't, it's just too much. You can't come back from it. And I'd be kind of sad to see it happen just because Connor McDavid has been having such an amazing season. And I wanted to see what he could do at a deep run. I wanted to see like him against Toronto in a playoff series. And so to have him go out in the first round, and especially if it were to happen in four or five games, it just feels like, a waste. And that's to take nothing away from Winnipeg because give full credit to Winnipeg for how they've played. Um, in large part, it's been that Connor Hellebuck has played out of his mind, which we knew he was capable of doing. But, you know, the fact, hey, they went into Edmonton, went on the road, and, you know, held McDavid and Dreisaitl scoreless for the first two games. That's that's massive. And then, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl finally showed up in game three. Yeah. And Winnipeg managed to crawl back from a three goal deficit in the third period. Like this is a team that is, at, that is battling and I got to give them full credit for that, but God, it's just a shame. And you got to think, you know, what is McDavid going to think if this team leaves? Like, is he going to start to want out or is he going to start pushing for massive changes? I mean, cause he's the, he's the captain. He's the franchise player. He's got five years left on his contract there. Like if he wants some dramatic changes to happen, like he's in a position to make it happen. He could light this thing on fire in his, you know, postseason interview if he wants to. And if they exit, like I think he's got to start thinking about it. Dude's in the prime of his career. He's been having like a prime Mario Lemieux type season. 
and they've got another early exit. Uh, he's got what maybe he's two playoff wins, playoff series wins in his career to this point, plus a number of seasons of yeah. not making the playoffs. Uh, for someone of his talent, that's just that can't happen. That is uh, such a waste. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I mean, I get why he signed when he did. You know, maybe he really loved it in Edmonton, wants it to work. But I mean, at the same time, it's like he didn't have to sign when he did. But obviously, if he wants out, someone will make it work, just like we're looking at potentially with Jack Mm -hmm. Eichel in Buffalo. So I don't even want to put this in the universe, but I have to for the sake of the podcast. I hope it's not a Pittsburgh Winnipeg final, you know, Carter versus Dubois. (laughs) I would root for Dubois on the Jets. Don't get me wrong. I can't root for Pittsburgh anyways, but that I just, you know, or it'll be Taylor Hall in Boston. That's a little bit less, you know, it's more bearable, but I don't want Boston in there either. I'm tired of Boston. I'm tired of Pittsburgh. I don't <laughs> want to see the Jets with Dubois, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to admit that, and this is probably, you know, petty and immature on my part, but yeah, I was not wanting Dubois to have success in this postseason. And again, I feel it's probably not the right attitude to have. It's probably not fair, but yeah, that that was I was not no, not fair. wanting Winnipeg to 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 go far. Um, now that being said, I still don't think that they will. If they play Toronto, uh, Toronto would still give Toronto the edge. But then again, if they can shut down McDavid and Drysaitel, certainly they can shut down Matthews and Nylander. So who knows? And it takes a, a hot. I mean. And Connor Hellebuck's yeah. a great goalie who has won the Vezina. So, you know, he could get hot. Maybe he is hot right now. Looks like he is. Looks like the whole team is. But uh, And they've been doing it with, without some guys, right? Because I know Ellers. I know he played last night. They, they were able to win game one without Dubois or Ellers. And then they got Dubois back for game two. Yeah, but that's right. I think I saw something that even Ellers would have been. He was healthy for game two. But, like, Maurice didn't want to bring back two players at once, which I don't understand. Like ice the best possible line. If you have, <laughs> what are you doing? But he, he got the, the right results each time. So, and, and Ellers then got the, uh, got the overtime winners. So absolutely crazy the way they've been doing it. But again, credit to them. And, you know, also, you know, the opposite of credit to Peter Chiarelli and now Ken Holland and like what Edmonton, what are you doing? You should what kind of team have you built there that you have both McDavid and Dreisaitl and when they're not on the ice, you're playing, you're, you're playing like the 2021 blue jackets, basically like it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is nice, right? It's uh, it's crazy. I, I, you go from here to here. So PD, as you wrote in Monday's Cannon Blast, the World Championships are underway. The Blue Jackets are pretty well represented. Liam Foody in Canada, Eric Robinson, Adam Clendenning for Team USA, guys like Matisse Kivlenix, Gavrikov is playing, and there's a few other uh, Blue Jackets prospects, recent draft picks. But I think the games, are they on the... NHL Network. I think they're. I think they're on NHL Network, which I don't get. So I haven't been able to watch any of the games, but I've I've been seeing clips as they've been posted online, and it seems like there have been some jackets that have been making a good showing. Uh, Adam Clendenning did get a goal. Uh, now, the fact that uh, you know Adam Clendenning made Team USA sort of gives you a sign of that the roster building was a little bit different this time around than in a normal year. Um, 
you know, usually at this point, we're several rounds into the playoffs, so there are more NHL players available to be picked. But that's not the case this time. And I think with, you know, pandemic restrictions and whatnot, it's, you know, you can understand why a lot of NHL players that just went through yeah. this tough season, and especially if the team didn't make the playoffs, they might decide, like, all right, I'm just going to start my offseason now, going to be with my family. I'm not going to bother going through, going into another bubble, this time in, you know, Latvia, which, no offense to Latvia, I'd love to visit Riga at some point, but I can understand these players not wanting to go into another bubble situation. So, totally fair. So, it's not not the best team from the powers that you're used to seeing, but I'm glad for the guys that are getting the opportunity. Like Eric Robinson, legitimately had a very good season for Columbus this year. He's one of the few bright spots for the team, really. And so it's nice to see him rewarded with a chance to play internationally. Um, and hopefully he can continue to build on that. Um, I saw that Mikhail Grigorenko has already scored, been scoring for Russia. Now, again, I don't know if he's in the Blue Jackets' future. Uh, makes me frustrated to see him do well after really not getting much of an opportunity to do well here. Um, again, frustrating that Torts couldn't find a way to get more out of him. Um, Matisse Klivlenix is getting to start and goal for the host country, and he shut out Canada, so that was really cool for him. Again, not the, you know, it's kind of Canada's P team, I heard it described. It's not, not the A or B or even the C team. They're really uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel there, but still, uh, big shutout home ice for Kivlenix. Good for him. Um, it would have been, I, you know, I would have expected Elvis Merzlikens to play there, but I guess his wife is close to having their first baby. So, uh, he couldn't make it there, but which that's, uh, that's a great reason to not, to not make it, but, uh, cool for Kibby to get the shot, uh, you know, with the world championships in his home country to be able to play in it. That's a, uh, that's a cool thing. So yeah, I always like to, you know, check in, periodically throughout the tournament just to see if any of the blue jackets are are playing and if they're playing well and to see if it's the kind of thing that if they if a guy has a good tournament if he can build on that for next season and hopefully they can yeah i wish i had the nhl network because then i'd actually be able to kind of check it out but yeah look at some of these names uh, i don't want to take say them wrong i always hope that when i see players play well in any kind of tournament that oh, maybe it's going to translate, but that's not always necessarily the case. And I also think for considering that a lot of leagues around the the world had shortened seasons or, you know, case with Clendenning that spent most of the season either in Cleveland or in the taxi squad. And then, you know, the Monsters division didn't have a postseason. So it's good for him to get extra games. I think he only ended up playing nine games total this season. Didn't play any in Columbus, only played nine in Cleveland. So now he's getting to play some extra games, uh, you know, on a big stage against players from from junior leagues or from the AHL. You know, they had not a full season, and so any chance to get extra games in against good competition, um, it's a great opportunity, and so it, it's good for those players. And I, you know, I think there's going to be some 2021 draft prospects in the field as well. Uh, I think Team USA has uh, Maddie Beignets. Uh, who's a center prospect that's expected to go in the top 10 could be on the blue jackets radar, depending how the uh, draft lottery goes next week. So what do you think about the blue jackets? Maybe getting the number one overall pick. Do you, uh, I mean, who knows with the lottery, but yeah, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up for it uh, because that's just, that's just too much to hope for that. We could have that luck. 
I just hope that that the teams that do win the lottery, if it's not us, are teams that are already ahead of us, so that we stay in the number five spot. That would be that would be that'd be really nice. Uh, if we fall down to seven, we'll still get a good player, but it just it limits the choices. So uh, again, not 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 uh, going to expect one or two, but just hoping for five. I'll leave you with this question. Where is Alex Ovechkin playing hockey next season? Washington. He's, he's not, he's not going anywhere. I do agree. I do agree that the Capitals maybe need to do some soul searching about, because this has been a number of early exits in a row for them, but yeah, Ovi is not playing anywhere other than Washington in his career. He's not, that, that's just, it's going to happen. Now it might be a matter of him being on like the Joe Thornton plan of, you know, signing one year deals and, playing it out that way. Now I could see a guy like Kuznetsov being on the move. It sounds like things have gotten kind of rocky there. So that's a player that could be on the move, um, which I don't know if that's worth the jackets kicking the tires on. Uh, he's not maybe a long-term fix. Mark Scheich had that thought. Yeah. I, I think he could, I think he could help, you know, he could play the center position. Um, yeah. So, you know, why not? Oh yeah, for sure. Could, could benefit from a change of scenery, but so there's some things there that are need to get shaken up in Washington, but but Ovechkin is going to remain part of that team for a few. I, and I can see Ovechkin playing as long as it takes for him to pass Gretzky in career goals. Oh yeah. So which at his rate, yeah. might I mean, only take him another three or four years. So I can yeah. see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could definitely do it. Um, I was, I was, I was thinking about that in the past and, it was something like if he was at least getting 30 or 40 a year or at least 30 goals a year and maybe the occasional 40 or 50, he should be able to do it. But yeah, he's still playing at a high level, 24 goals this season in a shortened season. So imagine, you know, 40 at least in an 82. And I'm sure we'll see that next season, assuming we have a full season. Well, and, and that's the really crazy thing, too, about what he has accomplished already is that he has lost like a season and a half of his career to lockouts and then another half a season-ish to a global pandemic. And if those were like full seasons there, you added on to his total, he maybe could have hit the Gretzky mark already. Like that's, it, it's insane that he's been scoring that much. Yeah, we had the 12-13 lockout and he came into the league just after 4 But yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, I think he was drafted in 04. Oh, so you're right. Now, who knows if he would if he would have come over for the 04 05 right, season? Right. I don't know. But then he made his debut then in uh, the, so yeah, the 2005 for the 2005 2006 season. Yeah, so he missed. But the lockout maybe cut out what would have been his rookie true. season. So who true. knows what he would have done? Yeah, that is true when you think about it. And just like Connor McDavid this year with with over. Uh, what was it, 100 points or so? I mean, that's insane. Because we've had full 82-game seasons in recent years in which the, uh, you know, the Art was it the Art Ross winner only had 80 points yeah. in a season or something like that. And then you have Connor McDavid right. putting up 100 in half a season. Yeah, 100 points in an 82-game season would be considered great. a yeah. great season. You'd be in the MVP race, all that. But to get 156 games, it Elite. is, again, he's, he's a ridiculous player. Uh, I... I love watching him play. I encourage if you're if you're in Columbus or if you're in another NHL season city, when the Oilers come into town, do what you can to get tickets because it is worth seeing McDavid in person. As amazing as he looks on TV, 
you have to behold it in person. It, it is just unreal how quickly he moves, how big he seems on the ice, how he's just everywhere on the ice, every play. Uh, it just, I, I love watching him play and I'd like to see him get in a situation where we can see him play deep in the playoffs. And we have not seen that enough in his career. And it's a shame. Connor McDavid in real life is like high def in person as opposed to just on TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have another exciting week of NHL playoffs. And, you know, last week we had no idea about the John Davidson hiring. And I was like, you know, I'm sure some Blue Jacket stuff will spill. And I'm sure even more will probably end up spilling or coming out this upcoming week. Who knows? Any kind of nuggets. So you never know. But I think they're off to a good start. And I'm curious to see how it, where they go from there as far as their roster construction and coaching and things like that. So uh, I am I am excited. I'm already excited just with the guy, just with the yeah. president in, in tow. It's it's yeah. uh, it's exciting there. So for sure. Well, that will do it for us this week. I will have an article this week on potential coaching hires that could be in play for Columbus on jacketscannon.com. We'll still be doing our player reviews. Anyways, as always, catch us at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and on Facebook, and we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.